0: But as a woman, I needed that nurturing, supportive, listening ear, reassurance, um, you know, and that's what I really craved, um,
1: yeah, in my motherhood experience. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, locally, the Biripai people and all other First Nations people within Australia, this beautiful country where I'm blessed to live. I aim to participate in reconciliation and I support the sovereignty of the First Nations people. So thanks for tuning in to the Pollination Mamas podcast. If it's your first time, welcome. If you're back again, awesome and thank you. I aim to bring you collaborative conversations, cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom in a modern context so that we can live a nurtured life. I believe that ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing, and health. Hi, everyone! Welcome to another Pollination Mamas podcast. Today, I'm welcoming Ashley from the Motherhood Circle. I'm really excited to have Ashley here because. Ashley, somewhat of a colleague who I met through studying to become a postpartum doula with Julia at Newborn Mothers. So obviously, Ashley is a mother and postpartum doula, mother of two girls like myself, which is lovely. Who has created an online motherhood circle to empower new mothers in what can be one of the most vulnerable times in a woman's life. The motherhood circle is a safe, supportive, nurturing environment to connect share fears, struggles, and bridge isolation. Also to empower mums to trust in themselves and their own unique parenting style. Ashley has also created a free video series with professionals to share their own particular insights, knowledge, and wisdom. There's lots of great um, sessions on there. Go and check it out. So thanks so much for being here, Ashley.
0: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's been a few months in the making, but we finally got here, which is we, really cool. We
1: did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> back a
0: Christmas.
1: Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. Fire. Yeah. Year and yeah, now it's raining and life's just back to like
0: everything. Yeah. We need. It's nice.
1: So, you have such a fantastic, beautiful service. I've been checking it out again in preparation for the podcast. And I really want to get into that. But I also love the way that you express your authentic, real life mumness and how you break through. This picture perfect ideal in magazines and the Instagram Mm. gloss and admit that you too also have a messy home often with washing piles Mm. and like we all do. Yeah. I would love for you to share a bit about how you found peace and acceptance in this because I even though I didn't really buy into that too much, I still had to really work to break through it. When Mm. I became a mother, I still had this pressure and expectation I put on myself and I felt like was being put on me. Um, yes, yeah, so I'd love to hear about your journey through
0: that. I have been through a similar journey. It's not easy. It's not easy to show up vulnerable and to share my truths. My biggest fear is being called out on on social media. So when I first started my business, it was really hard for me to share my truths. And you know, I was worried that I'd seen so much back and forth between mums and people calling each other out and telling you you're wrong that it was really hard for me to be authentic and true because I didn't want to offend anyone I didn't want to upset anyone and I'm a people pleaser um, at heart and I want people to like me so that's not a good mixture for being your true authentic self but I always have had this thing inside me I suppose embedded that you know, I've always been very open about my opinions and views and who I am as a person. And so I have all of these interesting stories and things coming around, but one of my biggest core values and so everything everything has been a journey and I've been on this wonderful journey through motherhood. And I feel like when I birthed my baby, I birthed as a woman and a person and a mother and I feel like I was reborn again as as me, Ashley, mother, uh, woman, I felt so feminine um, and I feel like it was such a wonderful gift because I wasn't able to do that for myself but I am able to do it for my children. I'm able to show up for them and I remind myself that it's really important that I lead for them so that they can be strong women that can be their true selves and, you know, live this, you know, aligned life. So living through my, basically with my core values, I I figured out my core values and I wrote them up and I put them on my computer and one of them is connection. Another one is like family, playfulness. I'm a really playful, fun kind of person. Um, And my other one is integrity and honesty. So one of the things that I was finding with some people who are dishonest um, or aren't being very transparent, um, it makes my skin crawl. Um, and I, it's a real big red flag for me. So I've had issues with friendships where people love people like that and i never really understood i thought there was something wrong with me i would question am i being weak is there something wrong with me but as i started to really put some effort in in the last you know 5 years of motherhood to grow into the person that i wanted to be and fight against these opinions and views that were constantly being fed to me because everyone has an opinion I could just say, this is my value. It's not a choice. It's not something that I said, oh, you know, this is going to be my value. It's just something that's deeply embedded inside me. So I feel like it's a disservice and, and you're not helping anyone if you're not being truthful. If you're going on social media and putting beautiful pictures up of your beautiful home that looks beautiful for five seconds of the day, but the rest of the day, it looks like a bomb, then you're, basically being dishonest and uh, it's fine to put beautiful pictures up because everyone likes Instagram pictures you know that's what we go on there for beautiful photos and inspiration and but what I was finding when I went on these mother's pages these you know influences is that it made me feel really bad as a mum because I look at my kids who are in nappies and their hair's like all over the place and they had boogers all over their face and I just clean them like a million times like my sister used to turn up at my house She'd be like, aren't you going to put a clean top? I'm like, oh, seriously? Like, especially when they're babies and toddlers. I'm like, I've literally changed her like five times today. And there was so much judgment and having to explain that to someone who didn't have a child. Um, So it made me feel bad when I went out in public and I saw mums who looked like they had it together, but in reality, when I started speaking to these moms, they were like, oh my God, my house is a bomb. This is going on with my partner. My life's hell. I'm suffering. And I was like, oh, because your Facebook, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking your Facebook portrays this beautiful, loving relationship with your partner. Everything's like going, everything's wonderful. You know, you've got beautiful photos of your kids, your house looks amazing. But when you get deep and down into it, you know, the truth comes out and you find out all of these things and you're like, whoa, so you're just like me and everyone's basically trying to survive. And we all have our own little quirks. Like some people might be amazing at keeping the house together, but then they suffer. The reason why they're keeping the house together is because they've got anxiety that drives them to the point where they have to, or they can't rest and, you know, um, be calm in that situation unless they feel like they've got certain things around the house done. So when I started to really communicate with other mums and ask them questions, as I got into a more, I would say, mature motherhood role, I'm only five years into motherhood, but you know, the first couple of years is a really insecure time of motherhood. You know, you're finding your feet, you're trying to figure out who you are as a mom. If you're a good mom, you're looking for lots of reassurance and love and support But as you, you know, get through that and have your heart broken and have some horrible things said to you and, you know, you take people's advice and it doesn't work, you start to find your confidence. And um, then I got, you know, I'm in this space now where it's like, ah, okay, whatever. I've got two kids. I've been through it. I know exactly what's going on. I have a circle of supportive people around me that I can rely on and say, you know, hey, you know, I talk to my girlfriend all the time. She's like, oh, come over, but my house is a bomb. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, her house compared to my house versus bomb-wise, her house is always clean, um, in my opinion. But we all have different standards and views. So it was really important to me that every now and then I show some truth and show, you know, that I'm crying, that I'm upset, that my house is a mess, that my kids look, you know, feral, um, you know, Not for people to say, oh, poor you or anything like that, but so that people can see that this is true life and this is not um, Instagram stories and this is not about pretending that everything's okay and that I'm coping well and I'm a magic unicorn, and, um, which I, th- I think happens, unfortunately, in social media
1: yeah absolutely i love it all it's, i've just been silently having little giggles and <laughs> going yes 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 i understand so much of what you're saying and i think also because some of us um don't necessarily have like huge extended family networks around whereas once we would have had our mums and our mums and our aunties and our sisters just modeling to us not telling us what to do or how to be we just sort of had them around with kids and we would have observed it and that's would have been our main external source but now often our main we're alone a lot so our main external source is that media Mm. Um, really wanted to chat to you about the transition to motherhood, but I think I'd love, because you brought it up, and it's making me think about how our main external source is that media, but Mm. how isolation is such a biggie Mm. for for mothers and how that sort of creates these false ideals as well. And that's something that I see you're super passionate about breaking down, like you've really identified that this is a huge issue. You're hearing this from lots of women. I also Mm. And I felt it. I went through it myself. Even though I have friends, I personally, when I'm struggling a little bit, I tend to, I'm a bit of an introvert and I isolate myself to try and get to a point where I have more energy, whereas mm. maybe that connection is would be better for me in that moment. So I'd love to hear your thoughts around that connection and isolation.
0: Yeah, it is a huge passion point or you know one of my favorite things to talk about because I don't think people talk about it enough and I think it's people don't understand just how important having that support and connection and and being surrounded by somebody or people just being surrounded by people who support you is just so valuable I think it's just we don't understand the value in our culture of that, especially because like you said, we're living by ourselves. We're not community led. So we're basically around people who don't really understand what they've lost in many ways. Like I can relate myself, you know, I've always had this attitude of, well, I'll do it myself and I'm independent. And I'm really proud of those things about myself. But it's the reason I'm like that is because I haven't had a supportive family situation around me. So I've had to kind of see the positives in not having that family set up. You know, no one can tell me what to do. I'm the boss. Um, and as I've grown with motherhood and I've learned what I've learned in Julia's course and connecting with other people and my clients who have got that support around them. Having the support does come at a cost sometimes sometimes um, people can be a bit overbearing or have their opinions but i 've seen with my clients that sometimes it 's well worth having that practical or emotional support and you it 's kind of a give and take kind of situation and so i 've learned i guess i 've grown myself and i 've learned so much in seeing what it 's like and and you know the value of it but isolation, so many women, you know, one of the biggest things new mothers experience is isolation um, and overwhelm and loneliness. And it's exactly what I experienced as a new mother. And for me, I mean, most of us are working or we're in school and we have our babies and we get so much support through pregnancy. Then our babies are born and we're like, okay, we spend a couple of days in hospital and then they send you home. And then they're like, okay, goodbye. You know, we will send a health nurse out to you. They'll come out every few days for a week or so and that's it. Then you'll be on your own. And our partner might be home with us for a week. For me, my partner, my husband was only home with me for two days because I had an extended hospital period stay. So that cut into the, you know, the time he had off. Um, Then he went back to work for a couple of weeks. I ended up having an unplanned cesarean. because I'd had so much excitement around my pregnancy, I expected all these people to come over and be really excited to see this beautiful baby. And unfortunately what happened was nobody came around. Everyone was continuing with their lives and they're um, working their nine to five. And I was sat at home with this baby all by myself and I couldn't get out for six weeks. And then I was sitting on social media all the time and, you know, seeing the women, because back in those days, we didn't have um, Facebook groups, weren't really a thing. It was mostly pages. And so there was heaps of women like, no, you know, like any topic, you know, everyone has an experience. And so they would be fighting each other, debating and calling each other names. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And while they weren't saying it to me directly, if it was a topic that I was doing, I would then sit at home and be like, oh, my God, I'm a bad mom. I'm not doing this. I'm, I should be doing this. And should my baby be doing this? And I'd be like comparing myself to all these other mothers that I didn't even know. I didn't even know what was going on in their home. They were just showing a tiny little portion of their life. But then you kind of take away with that story and say, oh, they've got, you know, you click on their profile and, oh, they've got the most beautiful life. And then I spent a lot of time in that you know, fantasizing and then feeling sorry for myself and feeling sad and feeling resentful and regret regretting that I didn't have that support. And so the people that I was relying on expecting to come over, I got really angry at and um, you know, wished that they were the people that I thought they were gonna be. And I I did a survey um last year and I had 130 women respond to this survey and it was For those who didn't feel supported during their postpartum, I asked them to, you know, fill out this survey. And I asked them how many, you know, expected support. And 80% of them expected some
1: form of physical or emotional support. From a, a range of different people.
0: Um, from their partner, from their mother-in-law, but none of them had received, so 80% expected the support, none of them had received the support, so it was only 20% that, you know, knew they weren't going to get support for whatever reason, Um, so 80% of those women were left completely gobsmacked and isolated and lonely, thinking they were getting the support, And then finding out that, no, you're left in this on your own and good luck. And, um, hopefully you make it out and you survive. Whereas I like to, you know, set women up to thrive. So letting them know all of these things so that they can actually thrive, not survive. Um, as a first time mom, I felt a lot of loneliness and a lot of isolation and, um, you know, it's such a common story, um, You know, so that's why I promote, you know, connecting and building those relationships up with people during pregnancy and after having that baby. So no matter what sort of birth you have, if you're suffering with postnatal depression or birth trauma, you have an unplanned cesarean, you can't get out of the house, you've got connections that you can invite people around or you can have calls with them. You can get on the internet and connect with people in a safe environment. You know, not putting yourself out like I was, being subjected to you know uh, unhelpful, toxic energies, um, but having that safe um, and sacred and nurturing support ready for you in that in that time period.
1: Mm, yeah, such important topics, and I actually had a similar experience. I had an unplanned cesarean, and then. Um, yeah it cut into my partner's time of work and then once at that time I was lucky in some ways because we lived with his parents and even though I would have liked maybe a little bit more independence (laughs) um, overall it was so helpful at that time just to have the extra hands-on support food meals cleaning that sort of thing my second birth was different because then we were living alone but I love the idea in Japan where and it's still really common I've been speaking to some Japanese women where they live independently so you've got your own but first month after birth they just move home with the mother or mother-in-law that's just a given you just go back and you're just having like a chill time you're going to be looked after having that still inbuilt in the culture. It's not like we all need to live right next door to each other, but there's that understanding that that support is so strongly needed at that time. And, yeah, I hear that too. I'm really, you know, I'm not surprised, not shocked, but I'm still surprised that it was 80%, you know, that's such a high number of women out there still struggling. mm which sort of leads me to wanting to, and obviously we're both on the same page because we had this experience and then we went right. There's a gap. How can I? This is my calling. I'm called to work with mothers. I want to become a mm. postpartum doula. I don't know about you, but it was such a light bulb moment for me when I discovered that there was such a thing as a postpartum doula because I'd read the first forty days with my youngest, and I was like, "This is what I want to do. I want to make food for new mums mm-hmm. Anyone, you know, mm-hmm. that knows that food's my thing, I love it um, All about the food. But then when I realised there was this more holistic picture of emotional support and all these other beautiful practices, um, I was really like, oh, my goodness, yes, this is a thing. But it's really, it kind of leads, all of these things lead to an understanding, a cultural understanding of how important that early transition is to motherhood and It's we still have such a long way to go when I hear you talk about those figures of eighty percent, twenty percent. Such a long way to go to get people Mm. to understand, like those people that didn't necessarily know how to support you that were there and I've heard this before and Mm. experienced it with some of my own family members. It's I like to think that they just didn't know. They just didn't understand. Yeah,
0: that's exactly
1: And it's so hard to know that when you're in such a new, vulnerable mm. time, like it's normal to feel angry and upset about it. But then, after you know a couple of years in hindsight, you go, "Oh, they just didn't get it." So how can we shift? It's so important to shift this cultural understanding, the transition to motherhood that we've had. All these cultures, all around the world, including you know British and European cultures, have known. How important that is. So, I'd love for you to share your, because I love your understanding, is that importance of the transition to motherhood, why it's so important, and how you think we can start slowly shifting that beyond the mums. The mums already know, or they maybe that a lot of us don't know, but once we get the to the new
0: that, ones, the yeah. new ones don't, but the mums that have had this is the thing is that it's really hard to show value to someone who's never been through that transition. And, but the new, the mums who have already had their babies, they see the value in the work that we do. They understand because they've been through that experience. It's kind of, it's like trying to explain to someone what depression's like if you have never been through it, you know, you can listen and deeply listen to somebody or any experience. I mean, asthma, for example, I never understood it until I had an asthmatic episode. I thought it was a bit, You know, And then you go through this and you're like, oh, wow, like, oh, my God, like, I wish I could have supported you better. I wish I could have been there for you. And so I find it really hard to explain the value. I think for me, I know that my children are going to understand. I've got two daughters and I know even if I had a son, he would be educated. I feel like I'm doing my part by sharing my story and sharing these resources and being supportive and helping women who have that understanding, you know, maybe they have a mother who explains to them their situation. When we're talking about surrounding ourselves with people, when I was sharing my story, one thing I want to let the audience know is that the people that I had in my life, the family that I had were very toxic energy kind of people and they couldn't support or care for themselves. And I realized it, with you know more conversations they still don't get it even after i've spoken to them they don't want to get it because it makes them feel a little bit sad to know that i was feeling the way i was feeling and they were there and they couldn't support me they weren't open to i i also hear a lot of i didn't get the support or i managed by myself so you should as well and i feel like this is really patriarchal um, you know, toughen up, get on with it. Don't have emotions. Don't have feelings. You've just got to get on with this. You're a mother. You wanted to have a baby. Um, I hear this a lot and I feel this a lot and I see this in forums as well. Like you shouldn't be able to experience, you shouldn't be able to talk about a negative experience or something that's hurting you or anything like that, because we should be strong. We asked for this. So just get on with it kind of, um, feeling in our society. And I feel like that is completely wrong. And when I say that I birthed into motherhood or into the mother or woman I wanted to be, it's because I'm an empath. I'm a deeply feeling, caring person. I've always been like this, but I have, I was suppressed to be strong, not show weakness and crying's like deemed as weakness. I cry every day, pretty much. Like even when I look at my babies, I every day I connect with them and I think, Oh my God, I'm so lucky. And I have a little tear that comes out and I do not care. It's not weakness to me. That is me. That's, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, and I feel like me by showing my children, you know, teaching them about birth, teaching them how to um, honor themselves, you know, teaching and women as well, the whole mothering your way and becoming the mum you want to be is about you living your life to alignment and being the person that you want to be. I used to be a person that was created by my upbringing and from all of these opinions and thoughts on who I should be and I should be strong and I shouldn't do this. And so I was very tough towards other people as well. And, you know, I would see people as weak and, you know, they should get on with it and they shouldn't feel this sadness. And so when I was birthed into this woman, it was an opportunity for me to, really find out who Ashley is and who I want to be, what kind of mother I want to be. And I found there's a lot of softness. So I live, you know, with my connection, connecting to my daughters is really important being honest and open with people, um, being playful. And, and those things are really, really important to me. And, um, I find what I now, you know, promote and talk about a lot is, Connecting with yourself, there is no right or wrong way, but the true way to live a fulfilled life and be the the mother you want to be is by listening to your heart's desires, I suppose. And this may sound a little bit woo woo, and I'm not even really woo woo, I'm very mainstream. Um, But listening to yourself and actually doing what suits you and your partner, living the life that you and your partner want. And that means naming your child whatever you want to name them. Don't worry about what your aunt you know Mildred has to say about it or your mother it doesn't matter what they think you know birthing your baby on your terms how you want to having the postpartum that you want and that means by educating people speaking up having conversations respectful loving conversations letting them know about the education that you found you know the information in the books or uh, videos that you're watching this podcast that you're listening to um inviting them to enjoy some of those resources with you and have meaningful conversations around them and you know the evidence-based research around that if you find some you know if I have a circle of support around me if I have a community it is going to help me from feeling less isolated alone less depressed you know I know you love me and I know you want me to have a wonderful motherhood experience. And I would love you to be a part of that experience. And these are the ways that I would love you to be a part of that experience with me, with you and open the forum, talk to other mothers about it. Um, You know, talk to your partners. I think it's one of the most, and I actually, I am surrounded by a lot of men. I have to say who are, you know, what I like to call stepping up to, you know, this modern man and, You know, a lot of men, it's funny, I talk about men because my husband changes nappies. He does everything. So, you know, all the house cleaning, all that stuff. So he was my huge um, practical help when I had my baby. He did everything and I knew he would because that was the deal we made in being together. That was our partnership. That's our relationship. And I wouldn't expect anything less from someone I married and had children with. That's who I want my children to to see as their father, I want, I wanted someone who was going to respect and love me and be in a partnership with me. And so he did all the practical stuff, but that's where the loneliness and isolation came from because he was busy doing the practical stuff. And on the other side, my husband is very, not very emotional. He'll listen to me, but he doesn't really want to listen and get into all that stuff. So he would listen to me in that, but he, he would say like, I don't really understand because I haven't been through it you know, I didn't give birth and I never had a baby inside me. Like we've had conversations since he never said that to me during that period. But when he went to work, I would know he'd come through the door and I would just start, Hey, how was your day? And it's like, he's like, Oh my God, I've got to get out of here. Like this woman is like, never stopped talking, you know, because I was so alone and isolated that I would just like, regurgitate and talk anything I could to him because I was just clinging on to the first life form that was an adult that I could just talk to that I knew I was safe with. And so he wasn't, and, and, uh, you know, I thought, Oh my God, I'm married to someone who's like really boring. And, you know, then there was that side as well. It was like, he, you know, questioning, you know, that relationship and why doesn't he want to be with us? His idea of how we could help was actually like, doing practical things around the house, doing the gardening, you know, making sure like the furniture was okay, putting together furniture. So like really hands on practical stuff. But as a woman, I needed that nurturing, supportive, listening ear, reassurance, um, you know, and that's what I really craved, um, yeah, in my motherhood experience.
1: Hey there, I'm Julia. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this podcast, you'll probably really enjoy Newborn Mothers too. We provide online courses for professionals and mothers worldwide who believe birth is about making mums too. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Enjoy the rest of the show. Mm, Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. I just love, actually, the way that you express and talk about that your birthing into motherhood and how uh, earlier on you talked about the independence, being that independent woman. I think a lot of us can relate to that, just I'll get it done, doesn't mm. matter, I can do this. You know, we were born, well, I was born in the 80s, you know, some of us were born in the mm. 90s, maybe yep. 70s and give or take. I'm in an 80s, 90s. yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we're really born in that generation of women can do everything. But yep. We don't necessarily need to do everything. We can do it. No. And I find motherhood is that moment when all of a sudden we have to surrender. We're not living a totally independent life and we're just thrust into this realisation that human experience, especially parenthood, is reliant on connection and being reliant Mm. and being vulnerable. And that can be such a huge thing. I love the way that you express Finding that softness and that femininity in that, and that opportunity for that. But then the flip side is feeling lonely and isolated if you don't have the <laughs> presence of wise women around that understand that transition. So yeah, mm-hmm. I love the call for people just to be talking and to just find their own strength in it, invite people in to that transition of motherhood. And the place for men and partners is so important, but it's not always, it can't fulfill everything. Um, I'm all there. I can totally relate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it's like understanding that. And, um, and I think, you know, having this conversation now is great for anyone who's pregnant and wondering what's going to be happening. Mm. Um, But it is, it is truly a journey. It is, it is truly a journey. And the thing that I didn't mention is the hormones they're, that's something you cannot explain to somebody. The hormones, the feeling after you've had your baby, if you have sleep depri- deprivation, you know the things that trigger you as well. So me not having the support was very triggering for me because connection is one of my values. So that was really heartbreaking for me, and that was going into what's wrong with me? Why don't they love my baby? It was it was a true journey that. I don't know, almost like a spiritual thing that if I had set myself up beforehand, it would have been, and I consider my postpartum with my first, a very easy transition, but that loneliness and I, and I didn't know I was lonely. I mean, it seems very simple. If you're lonely, go get help and support. Um, But I didn't know I was lonely. I just knew I felt this great sadness, but I didn't know until years later what was happening. I didn't really understand. Um, so yeah, it's about just being, like you said, surrendering to the process and trying to open yourself up and being vulnerable. And that other thing I think a lot of women struggle with is, and I found it myself with that, I'm strong and I can do this on my own not being vulnerable and saying, can I please have some help? Because I wouldn't have really asked for help. I was determined to show everyone I could do this on my own. Um, So while I wasn't really open to asking for help, I was sitting at home like, why isn't anyone coming? You know, why? But I wasn't really putting the invitation out there for people to come um, and I think a lot of women do that as well. You know, we sit, we expect people to know what we want or what we need, but we don't actually ask or we don't put it out there, um, which is being very vulnerable because it's really hard because people can reject you. Um, but really all that happens when someone rejects you is they reject you and that's it and you move on with your life yeah. and that's it. <laughs> but it seems really scary when you have to put yourself out there like that.
1: Yeah, and I think, like you said, especially with your first, like I also didn't know I was lonely. Um, mm. And you don't realise until hindsight, uh, until you, you look back with hindsight. But also sometimes I think, especially the first time, you don't know that you should be asking for help. Mm. <laughs> it's something because you really, it's so all-consuming. Uh, breastfeeding, if you, if you choose to breastfeed, the full-time job. You're sleep-deprived. You're just sort of, getting by moment by moment adjusting often processing the birth whether it was a smooth graceful birth or whether it had a lot of challenges and possible trauma there you're still processing that it's such a huge toll on the body and the nervous system then the hormonal flux is so such a huge transition it's you know even bigger than teenagehood in some ways because it's condensed, whereas it mm. would happen slowly over time and it can be very challenging, but it's just such a quick, um, you kind of thrust into it that you kind mm. of think, clear. like I look back and I feel like so many beautiful aspects to the early days in the fourth trimester, but it was really sort of hazy and cloudy and foggy, and I think I didn't really know what to ask for. Mm. I just, was getting by and I think that's a huge part of it as well is I love there's more conversations around educating women going you're going to need to ask for this <laughs> you're going yeah. to need for this and those around you need to know I love that you talk about thriving not just surviving because yeah we can get through we can do it on our own we can survive but we should be thriving we can thrive in that as well and find your tribe. I keep thinking as you're talking, it's so important to. You might not be able to completely find your tribe through pregnancy. You might already have it around you, but if you are a first-time mum, you're coming from working, studying, being independent, mm. then trying to find your mum tribe, or mm. whether they're new mums or they've been mums for a long time. It's so important to keep finding your tribe, and you'll know when you find it because it'll be those people you don't feel judged around, and
0: yeah. You feel really safe and supported and um, you just know, you know, when you feel safe and you're like, Oh, that person said something nice about me (laughs) and you're like, Oh, they didn't judge me or they offered me a snack or a coffee or just, you know, there's certain people in your life. I remember every kind thing that someone has done for me. And I also remember every cruel thing that someone has said, whether it was, on purpose or, you know, just a throwaway comment. I remember a lot of things like that. And I think when I was working at this workplace, it was a new place and this woman that I was sitting next to, she could see I was cold and she offered me her jumper. Uh, Like that to me was just one of the most loveliest things that someone. you know, it was so, we became really good friends in work and, you know, you just know when you're around your tribe, everyone's got their own thing, right? You know, I love like kindness and, that sort of thing. Um, I'm sure most people do. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, when you you just know, you just feel at home and you just feel safe and sometimes it takes a while to build that up. Mm. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it just takes the right circumstances. But I always say just take one step at a time, one connection. It could be getting to know your neighbour. You know, my neighbour is, I've got an older neighbour next door and, you know, when you start to know people they might be next door and so they're always at home so you know if you're having a really bad day with your baby you can go next door and maybe she'll make you a cup of tea and you, you know you've got someone to talk to or somebody who has you know children in the south had a i made friends with a very good friend or still friends now we've you know best of friends now and we went through two pregnancies together so she's got three daughters she had one before me. Um, an older daughter. And then we have two younger daughters that are exactly same age. So we went through two pregnancies together. We went through the whole conceiving thing, the whole pregnancy thing, birthing, newborns, you know, and now our daughters are the best of friends. So now it's like we're going on this school adventure together. And so our kids just play together and we're talking about motherhood stuff, you know, oh, the house never gets cleaned and that sort of thing. But You know, it takes time to build up those trusting relationships with people. And and if it doesn't work out when you meet someone, I had this experience where I'd gone to a couple of mum groups and I just felt there was like a bit of whispering and I don't, me being the whole open transparency, you know, honesty and sniggering and all that is not my thing. And I'd gone to another, and so that shook my confidence a lot. Um, me putting myself out there and feeling vulnerable and then going to something like that. But another lady who was in that group said to me afterwards, nah, I have a lot of anxiety and this was really hard for me and I don't feel comfortable around these women. I said, oh, cool. I don't really feel comfortable around these women either. Let's you and I catch up. And so we did, we were catching up. Um, But it can rock your confidence when you don't click with people. It's not you. It's just that they're not right for you and that's okay. And I, it took me a long time to kind of work that out because I went to a couple of mum's groups and I put myself out there and then people had kind of said stuff to me and I was really vulnerable. I'm very sensitive. So me, I need to be around people who are very um, careful about what they say, I suppose. So people who are really open and you know call out things all the time and say things um you know i've had a few friends who are you know will constantly why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that and you should be doing this and that doesn't really work with my personality so well i like the more gentle approach so i've gone from having friends like that to me feeling really bad and you know even a friend called me out and said you didn't try hard enough in your birth um So when I was feeling traumatized and feeling really bad that I had this unplanned cesarean, you know, this person had said, well, you didn't try hard enough. I would never have a C-section. You know, I had this already feeling like a bad mom anyways. And then I was getting this from this lifelong friend of mine. um, And I never knew any other way. I didn't know I could make different friends. I didn't know what true, you know, finding your tribe was like. So when I made friends with my other friends, you know, friends that I'm friends with now, they would never say something like that to me. They would, Never in their wildest dreams, I would ever hear them say, well, you should have tried harder because they know how invested I was in my birth. They know what I wanted. They know that I'm hurting. So why would they say something so hurtful to me? Mm-hmm. And now being surrounded by women like that, which was my mission as well, I will say, because I, you know, part of what I you know, have with the motherhood circle is a circle of support with women. It doesn't matter how you birth, it doesn't matter how you parent, you know, what your situation is. We all respect each other's um, situations, their parenting souls, you know, the way they want to birth, the way they want want to feed their child. And so I've created that in my life by surrounding myself with healthy, wonderful people. And now I do that with my clients as well. And it's amazing that they never once run each other down or say anything nasty to each other. It's always supportive, uplifting, helpful, kind and caring. And that's just... One of the best things I've ever experienced in my entire life, I have to admit, took me motherhood and, you know, searching and pushing, but now I finally have a wonderful support circle around me and also have created that for, for new mothers as well.
1: Oh, that's such a beautiful, inspiring story, Ashley, because I'm sure there's so many. I have heard it from other women too, going to mother's groups and not having the greatest experience and then having to keep pushing through and finding that. And play mm-hmm. groups and mother groups can be wonderful as well. But, yeah, mm-hmm. there's always going to be that human element and it's so important just to keep believing in and keep that feeling of the type of people that you need to be around. And I think mm-hmm. it comes back to, like, we were talking about that masculine... Paradigm of competition mm. over cooperation, which mm. is more of a feminine sort of thing that we know really we rely on each other, we need each other, and we need to work together instead of always, you know, dog eat dog, bite your way to the top. Yeah, being drilled into us through mm-hmm. um, our culture, but then when you can break through that and find other people too that are just there to lift each other up like, what's the saying, all boats rise together.
0: That it just
1: feels so good. And if you're not experiencing that now, it's out there. You can keep finding it and keep believing in it. And if you have it, welcome other mums into it and really try and share that love around a little bit more too.
0: And that helps you to become the person you want to be and become the mother you want to be because you're thriving in an environment with people supporting you but you're not questioning yourself and your choices because you're not constantly having someone tell you that you're wrong or what you're doing is wrong or questioning every breath that you're taking. You're being supported and nurtured so that you can grow um, rather than being brought down as well. So that's what I love about this. It's not, it doesn't mean that they actually would do the same thing or that they think that that's the right way. It's just that they have let go of the outcome of, you know, your choices because, you know, it's not our place to tell other people how to live their life and it's not our place to tell people what kind of per- parent or mother they should be or what they should do. It's different if someone's asking for advice, but mm-hmm. if someone is has decided that they're going to do something, you know, like I'm co-sleeping with my baby, cool, you know, whatever works for you, you know, mm-hmm. rather than, oh, my God, do you know how dangerous that is, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Um, which is really unhelpful because that person's probably made that choice for a very good reason. I'm sure they're educated around that. They are doing what's right for them and their baby. Um, And that's the difference between a respectful and loving relationship versus um, someone, I suppose, who feels that they know better than you as a mother as well.
1: Yeah, which can be hard when people are finding their own unique parenting style, especially mm. for the first time, which sort of brings me to that topic, which is something that you are so passionate about helping new mums and families find is their own unique parenting style and that. And it's so good that we've kind of that brought in that idea of finding your own tribe and the right support. Mm. Because, yeah, it's not about all having the same opinion. Some people... No have different philosophies on how to sleep, how to eat, how to breastfeed, how to parent, all of that. But you can coexist beautifully together when you respect that someone has made that decision because that's what's right for them and their family. So I'd love for you to share about how you found that balance, which you have a bit, but then how the motherhood circle helps other women find their own balance and connect get empowered to their own parenting style and how important that is
0: i think i think knowing your values and knowing your personality and your temperament and understanding that you are unique that your experiences your journey your um everything is unique your baby's unique your you know your their personality and temperament i think there's You don't really understand how unique they are until you have like a second baby. And then for me especially, I expected this baby to come out and just be like my first. Another girl, she's going to be like her. I mean, you can't really think of anything different. You don't really know what you're going to expect. And when she came out, she
1: was, you know, kind of looked similar and I kind of just expected her to
0: And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe how different they are. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny that you think that they're going to be the same as your firstborn. But they, she came out my second one and, you know, my first is very, um, what is she? She's very sensitive child, um, which is not surprising because I'm sensitive. Um, But she also is very impatient, which is like me as well. And so when she was, she loses it straight away, she's trying to do something and she can't get it. And that's very similar to me. And so I think she's been gifted to me to teach me as well as I guide her in her experience. But my second born, she's a bit more like my husband and she's calmer and more patient and takes her time my first is very sensitive and gentle my second is very rough and ready and tough and there's the the complete opposite children and so when I was a new mum and I and I said to you about my friend she was a second time mum and she had a terrible sleeper, sleeper with the second baby and so here's me with a textbook baby that sleeps like four to six hours goes to sleep no problems. And I'm just saying to her, just put her down in the bassinet. It'll be fine. She'll go to sleep. You know, it'll be fine. I'm saying things like, you know, you're making it harder. You know, you shouldn't have to rock her to sleep and all these things. And I I even say to her at this point, I'm like, I can't believe I said those things to you because she was getting a lot of people giving her feedback when she was looking for support and help with her child. Who she had tried every technique to try to get this baby to sleep, and she wasn't a brand new mum, this is her second baby. It wasn't until I had my second that I was like, okay, I really stuffed up there and I shouldn't have been saying those things to you. I'm really sorry because just because my baby was an easy sleeper and had no issues doesn't mean that every baby's like that. And you know, if you follow one technique, that's going to be the one that suits you, always going to work for your baby. And there's like a million different techniques out there for sleeping, and I believe that for me, especially when I was a, when I was a new mum, I just I didn't read any books, I didn't watch any videos, I just kind of guessed my way through motherhood, and I just followed my intuition and my instincts, and looked at my baby, and for some reason, I I was able to see her little cues, and I understood what was happening, and sometimes I miss cues and I would say, you know, talk to the health nurse and she would say, Oh, it sounds like she's getting overtired. And and you know, I think she was about eight weeks old and you know, the whole sleep pattern thing had been working really well. But then if she hadn't had sleep and she hadn't had enough sleep, if she didn't go to sleep on time, she would scream for hours. And that was her, that's her now still as, as a five-year-old. And so, you know, I, I learnt this technique, my husband and I basically, where we put her in the, in the bassinet and she'd fall asleep on her own. And that worked really well for me because I'm not the kind of, I don't like rocking babies to sleep, but you know, I can't, I don't like them being on me all the time. I run really hot and I had two summer babies. So I would hold them to sleep, put them in the bassinet or put them to sleep when they were falling asleep. And that worked really well for us. As she got older, she would start crying a little bit and she might cry for a few minutes. But we knew the difference between her crying. It was just like whinging, like, oh, I don't really want to go to sleep, but I'll go. And then she would find her thumb because both of my children are thumb suckers, which is really helpful because they self-soothe with their thumb. They were like that since birth or even in utero. They have images of them sucking their thumbs. And so they were able to just nod off to sleep really easily. Um, But other people, I could see my mother-in-law, she really, it would freak her out. You know, I never would let my baby cry. I would be holding my baby, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is the only way that I know for it to work. And if I don't let her sleep when she needs to sleep, she's going to be crying for two hours when we get home. I'm going to be crying. My husband's going to be like having to deal with his crying baby, his crying wife. And it's going to be way worse for us if we just don't do it the way that we know that's going to work. And so, I noticed that there was triggers that came up for other people with the way that I was parenting my children as they were growing older. I was very free range um, with my child. I suppose I let her explore the ground and dirt, and she put rocks in sand and things in her mouth so then you know mother-in-law might oh you know you need to get the wipes and clean her hands and you know get the disinfectant and you know and i was like "Eh, i don't really like like personally i don't like the disinfectant stuff you're constantly being bombarded this is just one example but of course I had millions of opinions from my sister and my friends and other people everyone's got an idea and opinion on you know what you should be doing and so I would leave that feeling questioning like oh I'm a bad mom. Like I sh- maybe I shouldn't be letting my child play in the dirt and explore and do all these things. Or maybe I should be changing my child 10 times a day so that they look presentable um, to keep up with my sister's standards or whatever it was. You know, it's always, it was always somebody else's view and opinion based on their experience, their own insecurities because we've all got our own stories inside of us that tell us what we're doing is okay. We've all got our own values. So other people value different things. Like I said to you with the clean, my sister values cleanliness cleanness really highly. She's been clean ever since the day I've known her. Her room was always impeccable. She had all like, it was like going into a little shop, all her bras and knickers were folded up really wonderfully and in my bedroom everything was all over the floor (laughs) and um so we're like totally different to her being in a clean environment a sterile environment is number one priority to her me it's about connection and playfulness and enjoying the moment being present in the moment not stressing about those things but as i grew into motherhood and i learned i could see that these were things that other people valued not things that I valued as a mother and with my confidence and basically listening to their opinions and going through the motions of having conversations with my husband, you know, should I be doing this more? Should I, and he would always say, no, like this is, this is, it's so funny because my husband's so confident. Like he never even lets other people's thoughts in, but I always would. I always do, you know, I always think, Oh, I always try to like be open-minded and allow people's you know, opinions and then think, Oh no, that's not really how I want to parent. So these are just some examples. So I was constantly bombarded by opinions. You go to the doctor and they say, wake your baby after four hours, do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. So you've got to kind of work out what suits you and your baby and, and go, okay, I going to try it this way. It didn't work. Thank you for your advice. I'm not going to do that again. And then, having that confidence to say, you know, when you're around that person to be able to do it your way and be able to, you know, shrug off those opinions and views because at the end of the day, all that matters is that you're doing it your way. You're living your life to your alignment. You're doing things that make you happy. You know, your baby best, you know, yourself best. Other women may love to bounce their babies on their knee or baby carry their babies all day long. And that suits them well. For me i couldn't do it. it doesn't make me feel comfortable, so I do what brings me peace and joy, which is um the things that I do that make me feel happy and it doesn't mean that anyone's a better mother or not a better mother because that baby will be much happier with a happy mum and um, a fulfilled mum and you know a mum that's living her life to alignment so I would never, um, and that's pretty much what I promote with my um, with the, the audience, trying to build the confidence in mothers to make the choices, have, and obviously me saying this is very surface-based, but me having conversations with mothers one-on-one, which is what I do in my one-on-one coaching and my online programs, is being able to have those conversations, say, oh, my mother-in-law's coming over and, you know, what do I do and how are we going to boundary set around that? What can we do to help you? Be, feel more calm and peaceful when that person's present. How can we kind of deflect this? How can we set up an exit strategy? What, what kind of conversations you need to have with your partner so that he can manage his mother so that you don't have to deal with that opinion or view or, you know, while you're in that vulnerable state of the last stages of pregnancy or new motherhood? How are you going to navigate your father-in-law in your space when you're trying to breastfeed and you don't feel comfortable around people seeing you with your boobs out? Those are the kind of conversations that we'll have in our in the paid program or one on one coaching because Everything every day, there's something new pops up. You know, someone might say something new to to you, and you're in that vulnerable state, and you're not able to find the confidence to kind of block that out. So, doing a lot of mindset work, which is what I've done on myself, and you know, I'm I work with life coaches and mindset coaches still. I feel like it's like an ever-growing thing that I need to have the support for myself. I know the skills and the tools and I know how to do them, but it's in accountability and having someone say, Hey, guess what? You should be doing this again. We should be looking at affirmations. We should be doing, have you been doing meditation? Have you been doing journaling? Have, you know, all of these tools and resources that, you know, you'll grow with motherhood in your journey that will support you and help you. And that's what I pretty much do with my clients in my programs and um, as they grow along in their motherhood journey from pregnancy and they're dealing with, you know, the healthcare providers and trying to advocate for themselves and, you know, birth the way they want to, and then becoming the mother they want to and going through that process as well.
1: Mm, Yeah. It sounds like such important work to do, you know, it really is when going through that transformation offers such a great opportunity to gain all these new life skills, but like you said, for mm. really learning how to set those boundaries and to tune into your own um, goals and your own ethics, and that's mm. sets you up for motherhood and for life as well. Mm. Take all of those things that you have gained and that you're still learning in that process, that you found and that you're finding into life and motherhood. So. I just think it's such a great service so people can sign up to you. There's an online mother circle. Is that right? And then also you yeah. offer coaching. Tell us a little bit more about how people can connect with you.
0: Sure. So I've got a, I've got two online programs, but I'll tell you about the membership, which is journey into motherhood, which is my mother circle. And, and, Basically, there's six foundational modules in there that will take you through um, from birth right through to postpartum to prepare you in pregnancy so you can feel calm, confident and connected and grow into the mother and person you want to be with these steps. And then each month we have an online mother circle where um, the ladies will come on and we'll do a video chat and it's your space to share what's going on in your life. Share what's happening, any challenges, any triumphs, any skills that you've been learning, you know, just let it out, any, anything that's happening and we'll hold space for you and if you, you know, want any recommendations or advice or anything like that as well because part of the, I guess part of being calm and confident is having information, being informed, being an advocate for yourself and being supported Um, by having the safe non-judgmental support as well. So you've got to have all of it, which is um, what's provided in the program Journey Into Motherhood. So that's a 12-month membership. There is a monthly um, option available, but... It is really a 12-month program through pregnancy right through to motherhood so that you've got that full support. You've always got someone with you to support you and guide you and you've got that relationship. Continuity of care is like one of the biggest things that I think is important for new mothers so that they know that they're in a safe space. They're getting the right information from someone that they're aligned with. Um, and then I have on top of that is one-on-one coaching as well. So that's available for anyone who wants that exclusive um, one-on-one support where you can share really raw and um intimate details and we can really get deeper into your situation and you know offer postpartum planning, um, birthing planning. So we can go through all of the things. So the last weeks of pregnancy, getting your food ready, all of the really important things that that I think every mother kind of needs, actually, and it's and it's you know this program and that, and understanding your choices and knowing and being able to advocate for yourself and inform yourself is something I feel like every woman who's trying to conceive needs to be enrolled into a program like this. I think it should be offered as a government standard um, as soon as you get. You know, to your birthing place. As soon as you're pregnant, when you go to the GP or whoever you go to, that's um, it's something that I wish that I'd had, and so I feel like it's really important to have that, um, you know, that non-judgmental space. Of course, because you know my story, you know, that's all I ever wanted in motherhood—to know my choices, to be informed, to have a safe space to come to, to grow, develop. Um, I mean, what more can you really want and hope for in in motherhood and, and in life really. Um, So it's called the journey of motherhood program. It's a membership. Um, You can find that on my website, which is www.themotherhoodcircle.com.au. And I've also got a freebie postpartum plan that I would love to offer your audience as well. And I'll send you the link for that. And it's a, I think it's about a 16 page postpartum plan that really steps um, the audience through, the pregnant lady through to, you know, really what we've been talking on here, but give some more journaling notes um, and, and prompts and thoughts to really dig deeper into what we've been talking about today.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome offerings. So, yeah, I really do. If anyone's out there and it's their first time pregnant, please <laughs> don't um, let yourself get to a point once you're already in the fourth trimester, you're in your postpartum. Mm can still reach out but it's a bit harder so just investing in that now will mean that you just have such a more beautiful transition into motherhood and i'm always saying that we should look to our traditional to our ancestors and look to traditional wisdom but it has to be within a modern context because mm we can't go back in time as much as I would love sometimes to live on a couple of acres and milk my cow every morning. Mm. Um, I also, you know, I'm in this world and and having an online option is so helpful because it takes the pressure off having to go out there and find the mum's groups and find your tribe and all your mum friends straight away. It buys you a bit of time. Mm. Exactly.
0: And also gives you the confidence because you've got that as a base. If you have that as a base, then it gives you the confidence to be able to go out there physically and meet people and then come back and say, Oh my goodness, you know, I put myself out there, you know, and you've got that base support as well. But so many women are having one in three women are having cesarean sections, whether they're planned unplanned. Um, Then there's women who are having, you know, vaginal tears and things like that, which means they can't drive for anywhere up to six weeks as well. So I'm really cautious and really mindful of those women who are stuck at home by themselves and they're not getting the access to get out, let alone the fact that it's really hard to get out with a baby when you are sleep deprived. And I remember myself with a newborn baby, it was, it just seemed like such a really hard thing to get out with a new baby that needed to be on, you know, for me, my baby needed to be on some sort of schedule. Um, Otherwise she would cry for hours. So it was, it just seems so overwhelming and daunting. So having that support in home, is really valuable as well you know knowing that you can just be in your pajamas with vomit all over you and poo all over you and jump onto a call and be like hey yep i had a really bad night and i stink but it doesn't matter because you can't smell me
1: (laughs) totally breastfeeding or feeding yeah stop to change a nappy and it's not a big
0: deal
1: i love it Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so
0: much for having me. I've, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: I'm excited to share what, you've, what you're offering. And, yeah, I hope that I'm sure actually that people will gain a lot from this because I just love you share your real-life story so it makes it mm. so much more real. It's like I've been through this. I want you to experience something better. Let's do it together.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening today. I really hope there was something there for you. Please feel free to head on over to Instagram and Facebook pages, Pollination Mommas, and leave your thoughts, ideas, inspirations, feedback. I'd also really love for this to partly be a collaborative experience for all of you out there listening and to hear what topics, uh, ideas for guest speakers that you might have and also if you feel to i would really appreciate if you head on over to itunes anchor fm and the other platforms and left a review for the pollination mamas podcast this helps for the podcast to be seen more and to get the word out there these topics that we're all discussing to a larger audience i found podcasts so helpful to feel a bit more connected to ideas that i didn't realize were. so common amongst us all so yeah also feel free to share with anyone out there that you feel may gain something from this i also have a sign up on my website pollinationmummers.com where i send out approximately a monthly mail out with latest podcasts sales on my small batch largely homegrown herbal products latest workshops and other thoughts and ideas that i might pop up on the blog occasionally So thanks again for tuning in and hope to have you listening again soon.